Welcome to another episode of the Back Row Redskins Show. Let's go. Special guest here with me. Um, his name is um, Ryan uh, Daniel Kelly. Sorry, I almost said Ryan. You know, we were talking about Ryan, but yeah, Daniel Kelly, man, this guy right here. Um, he is a lifelong Redskins fan, and he fought his way all the way to the top in the NFL as a pro scout for the New York Jets. So, how are you doing, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing really well, uh, Manny. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. I'm just kind of glad that we were able to uh, to, to uh, pull this off. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, take three <laughs> is the final take. Uh, <laughs> so, brother, man, how long have you been a Redskins fan? Uh, I've been a Redskins fan for a long time. I mean, you kind of alluded to it. I've been a Redskins fan for 38 years, um, going back to the time, going back to 1982 when the um, uh, when I was eight years old. The uh, uh, it was kind of funny. I grew up in Minnesota, right? Redskins fans, and many. I grew up in Minnesota. Huge. Uh, 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 my Vikings were huge Vikings fans, and they had the Vikings playoff game against the Redskins on an old RCA television in the corner of their living room. And and uh, it was love at first sight, but not for the Vikings, for for the for the Washington Redskins, right? I, I was right. so I was captivated. They they stole my mind, my heart, my imagination, right? Those colors, uh, Joe Gibbs, the Hogs, Reagan's RFK, the fans. It was electric. The atmosphere was electric. I I, I for those of you who have seen it, I, I, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who haven't, I'm sorry. Because FedEx is nothing like RFK Stadium was. It was so electric. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the highlight tapes. You know when when you know we want Dallas, we want Dallas, and the stands were actually like shaking up and down. Right? I mean, right. it was an incredible time. And of course, a couple weeks later, we we beat Dallas, which was awesome. And then a couple weeks later, we we won Super Bowl seventeen on that play. And I remember being a little kid. Right? I was again eight years old. I had little pajamas on with feet in them, like a little like a little Redskins T-shirt. They didn't have NFL jerseys back then. And NFL, I mean, the internet didn't even exist, right? So you couldn't order jerseys. So it's like <laughs> it was a little red T-shirt, right, and with forty-four screen screen print on the front and the back. And it said Riggins on the back, right? And I was standing there, and, and, and we all remember the play, fourth and one, right? Fourth and one. Joe Gibbs mm-hmm. wrote a book called Fourth and One, right? So we're sitting there, and, and, and of course, Joe Gibbs, a young coach, you know, and every coach in the league just about would punt in that situation. We were down 17 to 13. What amounts to, like, Goliath was on the other sideline being uh, uh, Don Shula, right, the, the veteran coach who was a superstar. And, and Joe Gibbs turns to Joe via bugle, God rest his soul, and, and the offensive line coach. And Joe Gibbs says, well, what do you, what do you think, and he had fourth and one, and he says, you know what? I like our chances with John Riggins against any safety in the NFL. And so, so they hand off the ball to Riggins, and Don McNeil went for the ride of his life, and the rest is history. We won Super Bowl 17. And I was hooked. I mean, I, I was hooked. I, I, the next year, the Redskins lost Super Bowl 18 against the Raiders, 38-9. to nine. I still have nightmares about Jack Squirek and uh, Marcus Allen. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I, I was so – I took the loss so hard at nine years old, I threw up and missed three days of school. So, oh, so it was 
It was devastating. I, I grew up, I was a Redskins fanatic, Manny, and Redskins fans. I was a fanatic. I, I had, my Redskins bedroom was a, was a shrine, the Redskins shrine. I had posters and pendants, and, and I clipped out all the, all the games, you know, the, the box scores, and on my closet wall during the off season of how many days it would be to the next uh, to the next Redskins game. So I'd walk around. It's only 221 days to the next Redskins game, right? <laughs> I, I was, I was crazy. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I bled burgundy and gold. I, I went nuts for the Redskins. I used to actually write letters to all the uh, players during the uh, training camps and all the coaches. Mm-hmm. Joe Gibbs used to write me letters back. I got letters back from Charles Mann. Uh, one of the coolest things that happened uh, that I'll share exclusively on this show is that uh, when I was 13 years old, right, uh, it was Christmas uh-huh. night. And uh, it, this is every boy's dream that loves the Redskins, right? It was Christmas night, and, right. and my parents agreed to, to tickets to the game to go see the Vikings game that the following is the Redskins. And my parents, my grandparents, saw it in the living room uh, watching a, uh, you know, like playing a card game, right? And, and so they're playing a card game, and right. an idea came to mind to call all the hotels in town and try to see which hotel the Redskins were staying at. So I called them all, right? And mm-hmm. all of a sudden they kept answering. So finally, one woman answered. She goes, good, good, uh, good evening, uh, Bloomington Marriott. How may I direct your call? And I said, uh, Dexter Manley's room, please. And uh, the phone actually began to ring. <laughs> and wow. uh, the great Redskins. Wow. The great Redskins defensive end, Dexter Manley, right? The phone started to ring, yeah. and the man picked up the phone, and, and, and I, I said, hello, and he said, hello. I said, is this, is this Dexter? And he says, it is. Who's this? I said, this is Dan Kelly. I'm one of your biggest fans. And he was in the mood to talk. It was really cool. He started telling me what it was like to sack the Cowboys quarterback, Danny White. I, I told him how his poster proudly hung in my bedroom. Uh, in the, uh, and, and he said, you know, how would you feel about coming out to the team hotel tomorrow morning? You can meet all the guys and get some autographs and some pictures. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, ran, I ran out, and he told me the time to be there. I ran out to my parents and grandparents. I'm like, Dexter Manley invited me to the team hotel. Dexter Manley invited me to the team hotel. They're like, oh, <laughs> you're right. years old, right? So the next morning we went, and sure enough, Dexter Manley, the star defensive end of the Washington Redskins during our heyday, was waiting for me in the lobby in his leather gray pants, his trench coat. He said, I knew you would make it. He pulled me aside, signed stuff for me, took pictures with me, took me back to where the team was eating breakfast. I got a chance to meet everybody in the team, including Coach Gibbs, Bobby Bethard. It was incredible. It was funny because my mom, right, my mom says, my mom's a big Vikings fan. She has all her Vikings stuff on. She looked, points down the hallway. She goes, I think that's the bellboy. I said, that's not the bellboy. I said, that's Jay Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> he was my favorite quarterback in the Redskins of all time. I said, I said this, this guy's in the Pro Bowl this year. What do you mean, that, that, the bellboy, right? right? So it's an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, I was there, you know, cheering for the Redskins at the Metrodome in Minneapolis. Uh, there was 58,000 Vikings fans, one of me, singing hail to the Redskins in Minnesota. Uh, that was really incredible experience. But I, I bled burgundy and gold. I mean, I, I could I ate, breathed, and slept Redskins football. It's all I did. I mean, my, it got so bad that my, my I went to one of my parent-teacher conferences, and, mm-hmm. and my my parents they wanted to find out about my grades. And the teacher said to my dad, he said, "Listen, if 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 Dan here, if he would spend a tenth of the time on his homework as he does on the Washington Redskins, he'd be a straight A student. That I didn't <laughs> go to on home." <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you this, Dan: Who was your favorite? Redskin of all time, John Riggins, number John forty-four, Riggins. the Diesel. Oh, absolutely! 
John Riggins, there was nothing like him. John Riggins, I, uh, much of my life, I've, 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 I've played my life much like how John Riggins ran the ball. Just all out, everything on the field, just very different, very outside the box. There was something about Riggle that really resonated with me from the first time I laid eyes on him. And um, it, it was wild. I mean, if, if you add up even all the digits of my social security number, it equals 44. So it probably was written in the stars before right. I was even created that, right. that I was going to be a Redskins fan. Matter of fact, that, not only was, was that incredible, but actually I was probably conceived the day the Redskins played their first Super Bowl in, in Super Bowl Seven because of my mom's birthday. It was January 14, 1973. I came along October 11, 1973. Do the math. It's almost nine months to the day. So it was ordained by God himself for me to be a Redskins fan. I'm, I'm positive of that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So tell me this, man. Tell me about your journey as a lifelong lifelong Redskins fan, and you make it all the way to the NFL as a pro scout. Tell me about that journey. Yeah, it was it was incredible, man. You know, I I, I wanted to play football. Um, you know, I, I kind of had a temporary dream of, of being a linebacker at Penn State. That didn't work out too well. I, I No matter how many large pizzas I ate, I didn't get past about 30. Uh, <laughs> so I had a very high metabolism. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I begged my parents that I could play football in high school. They finally let me play my junior season. I was so bad at playing Manny and Redskins fans. I was the only kid on my team not to get a letter. I didn't oh, have enough man. playing time. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, man, I that's left tough. so, yeah, so I didn't know what to do. As a matter of fact, by claim the fame, this is kind of funny, right? <laughs> so, it's pouring rain here, by the way, in Key West tonight. We're, we're in the middle of a tropical depression. So, so I'll tell you this funny story, right? So, so we're, we're so, so it's my, my junior year in high school, and I, I'm trying to, you know, try, trying to find my way into football, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And, and so we're down. I didn't get a chance to play hardly at all. And it, we're down like 42 to nothing against this, this big team. And it was like 38 seconds left of the game. And coach says, okay, Kelly, you're in. I'm like, uh, that's like I was uh, half asleep, right? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I didn't even know the plays <laughs> in the playbook. It was just to get out there, right? So, so all right. I'm, I'm praying that they're going to run out the clock, right? No, they didn't run out the clock, right? They, they, so, so the quarterback goes play action. I'm playing free safety in center field. He, he, he drops back. You know, it looks like Randall Cunningham. He drops back there. <laughs> he has this huge release. The ball is just fluttering in the air, right? All I see is this ball like an NFL films in slow motion, like going up in the, up in the sky. It's coming down right at me, right? And so I, mm -hmm. I, put, I put up my hands. This is my moment. This is my Disney moment, right? I'm going to put up my hands. I'm going to catch this ball. It went right through my hands, hit me in the helmet, and mm -hmm. fell to the ground. Yeah, so, wow. so yeah, yeah, so yeah, so that that was my claim to fame as a player. So I said, you know, what can I do to become, you know, get in the NFL? And there was no internet back then. There was no scouting schools like there is now. There's nothing like that. All of a sudden, I found out about this book called Tony Rosano's Secret him but Rosano was the guy that built the uh, 49ers dynasty in the 1980s with you know all the greats out there and uh, matter of fact he, he convinced Bill Walsh the legendary Bill Walsh to draft uh, Joe Montana Bill Walsh wanted to draft Steve Dills <laughs> Steve who mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so so um, I, I love it so I asked my parents for the book they got for me Tony Rosano's secrets NFL mm -hmm. scout I couldn't put the book down this is what I wanted to be this is what I want to be as an NFL scout it became like my Bible. I read the book over and over again. I started using examples of Tony Rosano, like illustrating his book of scouting reports. I started taping games. And that turned into be my first 75-page scouting report when I was 18 years old. Matter of fact, uh, that was the year the Redskins won Super Bowl 26, January 26, 1992, against the Buffalo Bills. I was there for that game. That year, 
I made my first scouting report. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I mean, it's all I did. I, I, I cut class and everything to write scouting reports. And, and, and I sent it off to Charlie Casterly, who was the Redskins GM mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, time. And, um, and, and I asked him for an internship. And of course, that's how Casterly got his start. It was as an intern. And he said, well, Hey, you're still too young, you know, check back your first year after college. And, uh, you know, so I barely passed through high school because I love football so much, flunked out of a small community college, ended up working at Allstate Insurance of all places. And I'm sitting there one night telemarketing for insurance leads, right, Manny? And I'm sitting there and a radio commercial comes on the sports radio show in Minneapolis called KFAN Radio. You guys have a sports mm-hmm. radio there, right? Right, it comes on. They said the first callers call in. You can represent a team on the air at the Minnesota Vikings facility. Bring a friend. I got nine open phone lines. So I went ahead. I started dialing like crazy, right? I started dialing and said, congratulations, you're the second caller. You're going to come on the air at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, bring a friend. You can come to lunch and go represent the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was like, wow. So all of a sudden, so I raced. You know, I, I took the day off work, called in, called in sick, right? And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm going in. Vikings facility, and I was scared to death of public speaking at the time, and, and, and the microphone was set up, and, and just like the NFL commissioner says every year, you know, with the uh, second pick in the 1995 draft, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars select, I stepped up to the microphone and said, Tony Boselli, offensive tackle, USC. And on the corner of my eye, I saw Tony Dungy, who was the, then the defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, and I, I approached him. I took all my scout reports I'd done for the Redskins, for Casterly, and I said, Coach Dungy, would you be willing to take a look at some of these? And he said, sure, sure, absolutely. He goes, you know, and he looked at it, and he said, you know, this stuff is pretty good. How would you feel about coming to my office next week? I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's like so, so I, of course, I called in sick again and uh, right. made it out to Coach Dungy's office, right? And, and uh, he pulled out all his old scouting reports with the Kansas City Chiefs and with Blesto and said, you know what, this stuff is pretty spot on. He said, uh, you know, how would you feel about every Wednesday so I did that for six months it was an unpaid internship and um, um, and then coach Dungy left for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then I went back to the real world and sold Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door and uh, and I went through a really rough, <laughs> it, it's uh, I went through a rough time guys I I, I uh, went through a, a bad breakup uh, I, I got repossessed my, my apartment I got evicted for lost everything it was a really dark time in my life and I remember praying that, you know, dear God, if, if you get me out of this situation, I promise to do the right thing. And things started to turn around in my life. And next thing you know, I, I'm, I'm with somebody else, somebody new, and I find myself working at Bank America Mortgage as a loan officer. And, and it was a cool job, but, but, but I was sitting in a real estate meeting one day, and, and I'm like, what am I doing here? My, my, my dream is to be an NFL scout, right? It's, it's, it's like, it's like right. it's, better to, it's better to go for your dream. And just like Joe Gibbs went for it on fourth down in Super Bowl 17. It's better to go for your dream right. and not get it, opposed to always wondering what could have been. So I said, wow. I said, you know, I got a little satellite dish. I, I said, I, I, I can stop at Target on the way home and get some pens and paper. And, and I can call DirecTV and subscribe to their, their little, you know, their college football package. And I, I can give this, I right. got to give this one chance. I got to try to get with the Redskins one last time, right? So I did. I started moonlighting as a scout all night. Uh, I was working at the bank all day as a loan officer. I was getting probably 15, 20 hours sleep a night. I, I had mm-hmm. this big stack of scouting ports that was building up, right? And I, I uh, one night, I, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and this is just really interesting how it all works, but about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, I, I, I take a, a break to get pizza rolls, and they're just happy. 
special on TV about Wayne Corbett, who is the Jets receiver, who actually uh, ended up uh, uh, was an undrafted receiver out of Hofstra, and is telling the story, this cool story about how his dad sent out highlight tapes of his son, so all the teams mm-hmm. in the NFL get, get him a chance. And so, so right. I actually, uh, you know, the, the, the little light bulb, like the cartoon, came up over my head. And so that's it. I've never tried to get with any other team other than the Redskins. And I said, I'll, I'll send my reports all to all the teams in the league. Well, I, I said, well, how am I going to do that? The next day I went into the bank. My friend, uh, uh, I had the bank, said, you know what? You should really make it into a book form. I'm like, how do you do that? He goes, call some publishers. So I called a bunch of publishers uh, in Minneapolis. One guy liked the project, and he said, I like what you're trying to do. He goes, it's going to cost you $2,300, which was my next two paychecks plus all the money I had in savings. It's going to take 85,000 sheets of paper and uh, for a 350-page book. Uh, and I wanted to send out three copies to every team in the NFL. Well, I got the book done two weeks before the NFL draft, and I, and, and I, I boxed it up, and I sent out all, you know, three copies to every team, one to every, every general manager, one to every director of player personnel, one to every head coach, and I sent them out to all the teams in the NFL as my resume, no guarantees. So I put everything I had into it, just like how John Riggins ran the ball, just like Joe Gibbs did in that Super Bowl. I, I pushed all the chips up on the table, no guarantees whatsoever, and sent this book out, my 1998 draft report, to all the teams in the NFL and waited to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and a couple of days later, my, my pager goes, now I'm really dating myself, right? My, <laughs> it says, he's called the New Orleans Saints. You know, so I called the Saints, the phone was on there, and it turns out that Mike Ditka, we all remember Mike Ditka when he wore the Ricky mm-hmm. Williams dress. Right? Right. Iron Mike, the coach with the Bears, everything, right? Everyone loves Iron Mike, right? And so so he says, you know, Coach, you know, Bruce Lerman, the college scouting director, said, I, you know, Mike Ditka really likes your book. We got a spot open. Just remember, you know, it's for, for scouting in the Midwest for college. Just remember we were the first ones to call you, and, and uh, you'll probably get more calls from our teams. Well, I got a stack of rejection letters like this from from every head coach, GM, director, player, person. I mean, they were flooding in like 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 it was it was it was a blizzard. I mean, it was it was, right. it was you know, <laughs> you know, and then and then uh, you know the, the the Saints. I was waiting and waiting for the Saints to call back. Of course, all my buddies at the bank are like, "Did you hear from the Saints yet?" I'm like, "Nah, not yet." You know, all of a sudden my my pager goes off and says, "Please call the Saints." I'm thinking, "This is it. I'm going to the Saints, right?" And so I race into the conference room at Bank America. All my friends come with me. They all got their ear to the door. And I called, you know, I talked to the, the college scouting director, Bruce Lerman, down there. And he says, listen, one of our senior scouts disagreed with some of your scouting reports, and we're going to be unable to move forward with you based on his evaluation. I was wow. devastated. I mean, I, I, it, was, it, was like, it was like, you know, ending up on the one-yard line as the clock expires. I mean, I was like, oh, I was like, Really? And he said, I'm sorry. And, and, and my buddy at the bank, the same guy that, you know, inspired me to, to do that book, he said, uh, you know, I think another coach with as much passion, if not more than Mike Ditka, is going to, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to contact you. He, he's going to do it. And, and, and I said, ah, you're just trying to make me feel better, man. And he goes, no, I think so. Well, the next day, my pager goes off again as I'm driving to the bank at work, and it says, please call Scott Pioli, the New York Jets. And he gave the phone number. And I didn't even know how to say Peoli's last name. So I called the receptionist. I said, I said, yeah, do you guys have a Scott? <laughs> I said, you guys got a Scott somebody? Uh, they said Peoli? And I said, yeah. And I waited about 10 minutes to go yeah. back. I said, Scott Peoli's office, please, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, telemarketing trick, right? So, so right. I, uh, uh, 
you know, got him on the phone. And he said, listen, we, we got it. We got a position on pro scouting available to pro personnel assistance position. It's not a high paying position, but would you be interested? I'm said, absolutely, sir. I'd be more than interested. He goes, great. I'm going to fax you over a personality profile. Uh, fill that out. We'll get back to you. So I filled it out and he got back to me and, and I didn't hear anything back for about a week. Well, I started thinking to myself, I, I don't even, I don't even have, I don't even have a, uh, a suit to wear to an interview in case somebody, is, right. you know, says, says, it's becoming real, right? <laughs> and so I'm out at the Mall of America in Minnesota, right? I'm at the Mall of America at about 5.30 on a Sunday. Everything's closing at 6. The gates are halfway down to department stores. My pager goes off. It's the Jets, right? And all of a sudden, I call the guy back, Scott Peel, and he goes, listen, Bill's ready to move forward with you. And I said, you can be I'm meeting Bill Parcells. He goes, when's the earliest you can be out here? I said, well, I do have some vacation time. I probably could be out there in about a week. He goes, nah, Bill doesn't want to wait that long. I said, well, I probably could get tomorrow off. He goes, great. He goes, I'll have an e-ticket waiting for you at the Twin Cities Airport. We'll see you tomorrow night for dinner. I can't wait to meet you. Bye. Click. Wow. And I'm like, I look at the men's clothing store. I'm like, let's go. I run in there. And, and the guy <laughs> said, I said, I said, I hope you guys like football. And they're like, we do. And why? And I said, I really need your help. I'm going for my first NFL interview tomorrow. And they said, okay, cool. So the guy stayed after like two hours late, hooked me up with a suit. And I flew out to New York for an incredible interview process, a two-day interview process with wow. the New York Jets. It was incredible, Manny. Um, you know, just walking into that building. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, the first thing I see is a Super Bowl trophy from Super Bowl three when Joe Namath mm -hmm. won the Super Bowl with the Jets. I uh, walked down the hallway. Uh, I recognized every name on every door. And I get to uh, the first part of my interview, right, is, is right. as I meet with Dick Hillman, who's the Pittsburgh's architect of the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty of the 1970s. This is the guy that drafted Mean Joe Green, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, you know, Stallworth, all these legends, right? And, and, and he's been in the NFL. He's a legend. He's been there for 40, 30, 40 years in the NFL. And he says he, he calls me in his office. He goes, welcome. Welcome, come on in, right? And, and he's got this big Super Bowl rock in his hand, right? He, he leans in to shake hands with me, and 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 he, he says, so he sits down. And my draft book, my 350-page draft book, which was my resume, right, is sitting on the table on this little round table in front of me. Now this is the crazy part, right? Because I sent my draft report out a couple weeks before the draft, so no one would know that they'll think that I copied the reports or something, right? So I, I walk in there, my draft report's open. Now the Jets used their top draft pick that year to draft a defensive end by the name of Dorian Booz. You ever hear that name? No. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a really good reason. So, so, so they drafted, because they didn't have a first-round draft pick because of Parcells. They had to give it to the Patriots. So they drafted this defensive end of the Washington State. Now, check this out, right? This is my, my NFL interview. My book's laying open to the page of Dorian Booz's is evaluation my book is in, right? I'd rated mm -hmm. this guy as an undraftable reject. This is a Jets top draft pick. And I'm like, Snickers commercial again, not going anywhere for a while. That's <laughs> like, oops. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there talking to this guy who's a scouting legend. Well, I went through that part of the interview. He was comfortable with everything I was saying. I interviewed with everybody in the coaching staff. I interviewed with, we had Eric Mangini there as a defensive backs coach. I interviewed mm -hmm. with him. They asked me to do an evaluation on a defensive end they had at the time, Manny named Rick Lyle. And um, I, I did the evaluation, and I, I went back into a room to start typing the report. And just when I sit down to the computer, in walks Bill Parcells into the room. And he introduces himself, mm -hmm. right, the Hall of Fame coach. He introduces himself. He says, 
hi, I'm Bill Parcells. I was like, I know who you are. <laughs> I said, you're the guy that jumped Gatorade over. I said, I know who you are, coach. You know, he says, well, hey, listen, I just want to say hi to you. You know, I might see you around here again sometime. And I'm like, oh, right. if, if I, you know, see, I, I can't even focus at this point, right? I, I'm just, you know, there's mm-hmm. so much going on. And I got done with our report, and, and I called Scott Peel. He was the pro scouting director at the time. And, uh, and I end up, uh, he says, okay, now bring your report in, bring your, your report and Rick Lyle into my office and make three copies. I'm like, three copies, one for Scott, one for me. And who's for, I'm like, Oh, please God. No, not Rick Lyle. The guy wrote the report on, he picks up the phone, right? He picks up the phone and says, picture this. It's overlooking the practice field, the big yellow fluorescent goalpost, just like in the movies with the big, the nice pristine turf and everything, you know, and, and big windows. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and, and he says, okay, he's in here. Please join us. In walks Bill Belichick. <laughs> wow. wow. And, 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 yeah, and, and I say this interview was intense. It was intense. And, and I sit down in one of the chairs, right, you know, facing Scott Pioli's uh, his desk. Uh, Bill Belichick sits down right next to me, and he hands, you know, three three copies of my uh, – uh, three copies of my report. One to me. And for the next, uh, you know, uh, it seemed like an attorney, Bill just read my report. You know, Bill Check just combed through it like an attorney dissecting a, a, a contract. And uh, mm-hmm. he turns to me and says, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, first he tells me a little about what Rick Lyle, the player they have me evaluate, tell me what they try to have him do in their defense. He's a 34 defensive end. He holds up the point of attack so the linebackers can scrape it and make plays. Uh, he asked me about mm-hmm. About my film collection, about all the you know tapes I had at home and all the games I recorded, so I told him a lot about that. And he nice. looks me dead square. Bill Belichick, right, the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League, looks me dead square in the eyes, and he says, "Dan, he goes, what would an opportunity mean to you in the National Football League?" And I wow. stared him right back in the eyes, and I said, "Coach Belichick, I said it would mean everything to me. I will do whatever it takes to succeed here." And I just stared awesome. at him. I didn't that's blink. Awesome. <laughs> that's, right. that's, and that's Bill. Bill is a tough guy, man. Bill can be he's, very intimidating. I looked him. I didn't blink. I looked him. I looked into his soul. I I, I looked right in his <laughs> eyes, and I didn't blink. And I, you know, it's kind of like when they look at those horses, they look him right mm-hmm. in the eyes and stare for about fifteen seconds. And he says, right. "Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming out here." I'm like, that's it? And, you know, I flew back to where I was from, and, and one week later, the phone rang, and it was Scott Pioli. And um, he said, uh, you know, Bill's reached a decision on you. And it's a call, you know, it's like a call on draft day, you know. He said, Bill's reached a decision yeah. on you, and um, and first I need to talk to you about a couple things. He said, you get 21000 approved for your first year. He said, I know 21000 is a lot of money. He said, but, uh, you know, we can get you a meal card over to Hofstra University. Uh, we can, uh, you know, we'll get you two season tickets to the games. And I need to talk to you about a couple things, Dan. He said, the first thing I need to talk to you about is, is, is it really that, you know, is that, that um, uh, something that's, that's optional. It's required in the National Football League. And he said, the second thing is, he goes, all the hours are really tough on a young marriage. I was, I was newly married at the time. He said, the hours mm-hmm. can be really tough. So if you need some time to think about it, um, you know, I can give you some time. I was like, I don't need any time. I said, I, and I said, I said, he goes, he goes well, would, you like, would you like to be a member of the, uh, right. I would. And he goes, congratulations, you're a new New York Jets. And I cried. It, it was awesome. I just, um, 
about working for the Jets. Now, tell me about the book, the name of the book, and uh, the inspiration for writing the book. The book I wrote, Whatever It Takes? Yes, sir. Absolutely. The book is right here, Whatever It Takes, the true story of a fan making to the NFL, available at whateverittakesbook.com, uh, amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, uh, wherever books are sold. The inspiration really for the book, Manny, is, is that when I got out of the NFL, you know, I, I went through a really – a really incredible four years of the, of the NFL. And uh, it, it was an incredible four years in a lot of ways. My first season, I went through testicular cancer. Uh, I was diagnosed my first month into the job. Um, you know, doctors told me I'd never mm -hmm. be able to have kids. Um, and I ended up having a little girl named Bailey Hope, named after Champ Bailey, I might add, uh, in the 1999, awesome. 1999 draft, right? Uh, uh, Champ Bailey. Uh, she was born October 16th, 1999. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, after I went through my cancer, uh, you know, we missed the Super Bowl by one year in my 98th season, my first year in the NFL with the Jets. And, uh, you know, Bailey was born and um, at 15 months old, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma cancer stage four, my daughter. Oh. And so went through a tremendous process with her, um, you know, just really, uh, you know, her cancer was, was way more intense than mine. Mine was, was, was like a walk in the park. I had two major surgeries. She had to have uh, uh, six rounds of chemo, five surgeries, and, um, and, and it was during my time. You see, because I always wanted to be in the NFL and, and become this general manager with a team, right? And, and, and uh, it, it was an incredible process because when my daughter Bailey was first diagnosed with her cancer, um, we found out at the same time we had to move. It was terrible timing, and, we, and it's almost impossible to find a place to rent in, in Long Island, New York. And, and this, this right. woman calls me uh, and calls us at the time, and, and this woman who had a baby the same day Bailey was born, and we hadn't talked to her in about a year, and she goes, well, what's going on? I said, well, I said, you know, my, my, my wife at the time told her, you know, we were on the speakerphone and said, well, you know, we have to find a new place to live. And, and so she says, well, I happen to know this pastor and his family who are renting out their basement apartment. Do you want to take a look? We're like, you know, right. we don't really have much options here. We, we got to do something. So we went over there, the pastor and his family, big New York guys, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, you know, given the circumstances, we'll rent our place out to you. So we drived in a, moved in a driving rainstorm. And, um, and, and I remember, you know, lowering the couch down the stairs with Pastor John, Pastor John, John Cavagna, and uh, in Long Island, New York. And, and he looks up at me, uh, Manny, and says, uh, there's two kinds of people to live here. Those who are saved and those are going to be. Which ones are you? <laughs> wow. And I was wow. like, like I was like, I was like, I, I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I, I was like, I probably something to do with God. I, I didn't know what that meant. Right. And so, so, so I, you know, and I asked them, I, I moved in, you know, we moved in with our daughter and, and I said, do you mind if I put a few things up on the wall? They're like, yeah, go ahead. And, and so, you know, so I, little did they know that I had enough Redskins memorabilia to fill the walls 10 times over. I, I had posters, pendants, uh, I had letters from coach Gibbs, I had all cards, you name it. I had all the, you can even see the paint of the walls when I got done with the place. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so they walked downstairs one night and they said, they, you know, they were just stunned. They're, they're like looking around the walls. They're like, wow, this, you know, and, 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 and Pastor John looks around the walls and says, you know, he goes, imagine what we're going to do with all these holes in the wall when they move out. And his wife, Debbie, says to me, she goes, imagine if you had as much passion for Jesus Christ as you do for the Washington Redskins, you could move mountains for God's kingdom. And Pastor That's John awesome. says, he goes, absolutely. And, and, and Pastor John says to me, Manny, he says, 
have you ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? I've been baptized and confirmed. He goes, that, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you want to pray with me? And I was like, well, how do I do that? And he goes, how do I have a relationship with someone who walked the earth 2,000 years ago? Take my hand, he said. And he led me in the, in the prayer to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right then and there. And, and, and two weeks later, it, it's incredible. Two weeks later, I had an incredible Holy Spirit moment uh, that was one night, and I went into the bathroom, and I remember that the night, August 31st, 2001, I looked into the mirror, and my my pupil started dilating real fast, big, small, big, small, big, and I internally say to me, drop to your knees and close your eyes. So I did, and, and, and I just kept my eyes closed, and, I, and, and these chills and waves of chills started going through my body, and, and it felt like the floor was starting to move back and forth. And, 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 and these non-emotional tears started pouring from my eyes. And I had my hands raised up in the air. And all I could say again and again was, I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. 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 And I could see that. I could feel his presence standing right to my right. And I kept saying it over and over again, I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, everything just stopped. And I opened my eyes, right? I opened my eyes. And the first thought I had was to go find my Bible that my grandma gave me when I was 15 years old. I never even opened the thing. And inside the, inside the white King James Bible, I open it up. It says, it says special verse, Psalm 91, verse 11. And I, I get the, you know, I write, I'm like, what is Psalm? I'm like, I've never opened this thing before, right? <laughs> you know, I'm like looking right. Like, right by the job, like I tell people, right? <laughs> I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, where, where is this, right? And, and it gets to Psalm 91, verse 11. It says, he, for, for he will send his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And I get down to Psalm 91, 14. It says, because he loves me. Mm. Because he loves me. Mm. That's all I could say a few minutes before in the bathroom. My life radically changed. Everybody else went up to New England, Bilicek, Pioli, everybody else went up to New England and to do their thing up there, you know, win all those Super Bowls. And my life went a different direction, a different road from that moment forward. And, and the passion of my heart suddenly became Jesus Christ. So when I left, now, now my daughter passed in a while. Sorry to hear that, right? bro. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And, and, um, um, and, and then two months after, I lost my marriage and my dream job with the Jets. So within three months, I lost everything. But I had the one thing that mattered. I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was right. an incredible, incredible, you know, just it, the passion of my heart is like, it's just my, my life just propelled in this different direction. So when I got back, I moved back from New York to Minnesota. And, and my, my second wife, who I met up in Minnesota, she, uh, you know, she said, you know what, you really need to start writing this book. And, and crazy, this is a crazy part, right? Back when I first got into the NFL, when I was writing that draft book I was telling you guys about back in 1998, <laughs> my first wife had given me a keychain and said, whatever it takes. And I had this vision popped in my mind that someday I'm going to write a book by that title. Well, my second wife back in Minnesota in 2002 says to me, she goes, you better start that book. So for the next 10 years, I wrote this book. And, and, and it was an incredible, this is the most challenging project in my entire life. This was the most challenging project of my entire life because it's only 168 pages. And I, I can type 90 words a minute, but, but, but it took me 10 years to complete this 130 revised manuscripts. And, and I finally got it published in 2013 and uh, it's available all over the world now. But, but the inspiration really was, you know, as it says on the back of the book, a story of perseverance, a message of hope that really what, what it was about was, was sharing with people that, that dreams, your dream can come true. There, there's hope to overcome every adversity in life. And most importantly, is to point the world towards Jesus Christ. 
That's amazing. That's amazing, man. Your story is just so powerful. You know, your determination, your faith, and, you know, your story really speaks volume for people who are struggling with things. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be football, just about life. And that is what your story portrays. Hard work, doing whatever it takes to get to where you want to be. So those are just, I mean, this is an awesome story, man. And this is something that everybody can apply to their lives. You know, and I'm a man of faith as well. And to be, you know, Amen. and for your journey to go, how it went. And, you know, yes, you might not have gotten the success that you wanted in your career, but you got the most important thing, which is that relationship with God. Amen. And that relationship to find your your king, your Lord, your savior. And, you know, now life is better, you know. So, you know, you had a tough journey to get to the point that you are now, but it is so powerful and the story is so inspiring that it's going to bring plenty to the kingdom of God, first of all. But then for those who don't know God, it's going to show them who God is for what he's done in your life. So, man, amazing, amazing story, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing your passion, sharing your heart. Uh, tell the fans uh, where they can find this book and tell the fans where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. Uh, this book is available online wherever books are sold, really. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, Daniel Kelly, whatever it takes, you get Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, you go to my book website, you can see all about it. It's whateverittakesbook.com. Um, and, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, um, Daniel Kelly Book. Uh, you, see, you see me on there. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. You, you can't miss me. If, if, all you got to do is look for this, this picture of me standing in front of the Super Bowl trophy, and you'll find me on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, can you imagine how we tried StreamYard, right? StreamYard did not work. We tried Zoom. Zoom did not work. But for some reason, Facebook was able to work perfectly. And I believe that somebody, somebody out of my 5,000 friends on Facebook, even if it was just one person, somebody had to hear the story live. So I appreciate everybody who tuned in. I appreciate everybody who's going to listen to, the, you know, like the recorded version of this. I, uh, I appreciate everybody who's going to check out the YouTube and the podcast. Uh, this right here was a special show. I've never done any of my shows on my personal Facebook. So this is a special treat for those who were able to tune in. Your story is so powerful and it's going to reach a lot of people. It's going to bring a lot of people to the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what it's all about. That, that's, that's the most special team to scout for. So welcome to the team, whoever joined tonight, because absolutely tells us, right? Romans 10, 9 tells us the play call, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, if you're sitting there and you want to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's all you have to do. You just confess that Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. And, and I confess that with my mouth. And, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And that's all the Bible says you have to do in the name of Jesus Christ to be praised, to be saved. And so we welcome you onto the team that really matters. The team that can never change names either. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's the Absolutely. eternal team of God. And that, that's, that's uh, in NFL, as one of my buddies said, he used to play for the Buffalo Bills. He said, NFL stands for New Found Life. I love it. I love it. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm definitely going to bring you on in the future. 
and I'm definitely going to share this on all the social media platforms that I have. Once again, thank you, my brother. Hey, you're very welcome, Manny. Thank you. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Thank you to all who have watched. God bless you. May the Lord continue to guide and lead your steps for, for his glory. Amen. God bless, brother. God bless you. Thank you. So, 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 so much fun tonight. Yes, sir. This has been another episode of the Back Row Redskins Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to my special guest. Uh, make sure you guys follow him on social media. Great guy. Great content. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at the Back Row Redskins. Also, I got more guests coming up. Um, got some good things coming up. So you guys stay tuned.